Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leone, will have small discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today is really, really a big pleasure. I have Rosaria Cirillo with me. Hi, Rosaria. Hey, Gregorio. Good morning. Buongiorno. It's always funny with you, like English, Italian, like my brain goes like... <laughs> exactly. It's important to switch, to adapt. And we are doing the CX Goalkeeper podcast in English so that everybody can profit uh, on our discussion. Before we start discussing, discussing about fishes and everything around that, could you please introduce yourself? So this is, uh, I'm Rosaria, I'm originally Italian, so I like to say I'm, I'm little, you don't see it with the, uh, now with the, with the cameras, but I'm actually really a little Italian ball of energy, uh, because I'm also quite little, and I'm a happiness, I like to call myself an happiness change catalyst. I am uh, uh, a customer experience professional, for the, I've been for the past 20 years, I've studied business economics, wrote my master's on customer experience, but happiness has always been the lingering thought and feeling and it's been my passion ever since I even started studying philosophy uh, but I went then actually to economics to really start to understand it and as I started to, to really work on customer experience I got in even more into the mind of customers and really understand from that point of view what makes us happy and that's how I came then all further to happiness. So in the last few years, I got myself also certified as happiness trainer, most recently as a laughter yoga, after yoga teacher. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, uh, I, I love to bring happiness, more happiness into the world. Uh, where happiness, I also like to say, uh, it's, it's full concept. It's not just happiness. Yeah, let's be happy. But there is health, there is so much elements behind it. So it's not fluffy happy, but it's really science of happiness. I think at the end, it's a really similar to customer experience. It's not, it's not something fluffy to make customer happy, but it's, it's something more and we need this understanding and therefore we are also here to share this, this information. At the end, you are saying you are small, but you have a big, big, big energy and you are spreading happiness. I was part also of some of your presentation and, and they were really super interesting. On one side, it was really a webinar where I learned a lot and I learned about your book. I had your book, but I never read the book and I will come back to, to when I read this book. And then I was also participating on a different session where you were spreading energy, happiness. It, it was really half an hour completely different out of the box and we laughed quite a lot and therefore I really think that that's what you are doing it's, it's outstanding one question about you you grew up in a splendid region could you please uh, give two three insights yeah it's one that actually very few people know about it normally I would share a picture let's start people starting to guess where is this one I actually don't know Gregorio if you ever been to Caserta so like I'm originally from Caserta I've You know Caserta? I know Caserta, but I need to be yeah. honest. I was not there. I, I was be. in, uh, in uh, <laughs> Napoli and around. But uh, the next time I know where I need to go. 
So you see, most people know Naples. So, so I always end up saying, yeah, I'm from like 20 kilometers from Naples. But in Caserta, basically, we have an amazing royal palace. It's actually the summer uh, residence of the king uh, that they built Versailles. So I always say we have the, the best version uh, with four kilometers garden and uh, um, waterfall. So it's really amazing. But nobody knew about it. So it's like I grew up in this city, Caserta, where it seemed to me that people were just accepting mediocrity or, yeah, you know, like we always have the idea that Italians are very happy, but it was, it, it, it was a superficial happiness. It was like a pleasure happiness. It was not the uh, hedomonic happiness, really about life and, and, and improving things around. So we had a very poor uh, government organization, like it was garbage everywhere. And I just, I couldn't get it. For me, it was like, it was such a discrepancy. We had so many beautiful resources. We knew how to enjoy, like how to have fun, but we were not really happy. And that's where I started my path. I left Caserta to go studying in Rome. And then from Rome, I started to do internship. I first went actually for six months studying in Ireland. And that's also where I start to see, huh, look, yeah, they have beautiful views, but they actually market them. They, they, they give a name to every single view uh, and, and they have a touristic uh, um, center. In Italy, not at all, at least not in the South. And then from there, I came to the Netherlands to start to do an internship for six months at Forest Research. That's where I started to get into customer experience because it was back in 2002, like nearly 20 years ago. It's like, oh. <laughs> Uh, where customer experience was just starting as a concept. And then from there on, I made customer experience, yeah, my life. Uh, and it, yeah, the combination, interesting combination of Italian within the Netherlands, where people really knew how to enjoy life. And like for me, what, what struck me as soon as I came to the Netherlands was this concept that we also mentioned in the book of Heselek, Heselekheid, where people would leave the office at five, go to the park, enjoy a wine, enjoy the sign. There was really they could really make the best out of every circumstance, the weather, nature around. And I really had this feeling of enjoying uh, yeah, life and really building their happiness. I think this should be always also our long-term target because it's, uh, we are either only ones and it's, it's extremely relevant what you are saying. One question, and it's a yes or no question, I know that I shouldn't ask this question. Are the parents of your husband still thinking that you live in, in this uh, Regia di Caserta and this big villa? Yeah, so it's like, did, did I mention that in the book? Or like, so I, like, I, I did make that joke to my um, parents-in-law at the moment because what is fascinating in Caserta is that when you arrive from the highway, you arrive in front of the Royal Palace, massive, and you could you can rent some rooms in there. So like I pretend, I was like, we know we didn't tell you that I'm the queen of the Caserta. But no, so like the, afterwards we told them, no, of course not. <laughs> Just a normal human being. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned that in, in one of your presentation, it's not stalking uh -huh. and if I am speaking with a guest, then I prepare also for, <laughs> for, for the discussion. And Excellent memory. I didn't even remember mentioning that one, but indeed. <laughs> I think that was also the why I start reading the yellow goldfish factor because I was participating to one of your presentation and it was really 
mind blowing your energy, what you were explaining, how you were explaining that. I really, really suggest to all my colleagues, all the listeners of this podcast, have a look of, of what Rosaria is doing because it's it's outstanding. And then I said, uh, if I am two weeks vacation, then I want to read something that brings me forward and therefore always about customer experience. And I selected your book because I said, if this uh, presentation are so funny, but they have also a lot of great contents, then I wanted to read the book. And it was really an outstanding book that I suggest to everybody. I will put the, the link in the show notes. But now the big question is, why did you wrote this book? <laughs> so interesting one. So first, I, there are two, two main things. I mean, I guess I, I I don't know if everyone has a dream, like most people have a dream to write a book. So I was, I, I always loved writing. So um, for me, it was always missing. I'm, I'm just gonna, gonna do it. Um, but I knew I wanted to write. I wanted to bring more happiness into the world also through a book and a business one and an artistic one. So I actually did promise my father in his last few months, so my father was dying with cancer. Uh, sorry, a bit I mentioned at least in the Italian book more than in the English one. And I wanted to share with him something that I was going to do. And a book was the one thing which was like, you know, this is a concrete commitment. And my father was a teacher, so a new book was something that would speak to him. So I made that commitment to him. And then things kept going. And actually, I've been working, I'm still working forever on a book about this last six, six months of illness and what that meant for me being a mother-to-be, but that is still so emotional that it's still in a corner. Uh, and then what happened was that I, I started to bring into the world the, happiness, the concept of happiness-driven growth with the TEDx. But in a way, it was like a visionary concept. And for me, there was this struggling. I'm like, I, I can see this, but how can I make other people see it? I can see that companies are starting to do things that are focused on happiness, but not enough. So how can I do this? So I started to think I need to start collecting examples in a structural way of companies which are already either putting happiness at the center or at least doing some of the elements that contribute to happiness. And also for me, putting down all the knowledge that I've accumulated through the years, plus researching new knowledge on what really makes us happy. And then that was the moment where it's like it's always like say when when you really have an intention the universe conjures to make it happen so at that moment like really like the same week i got an email from stanford asking me if i had examples about pink goldfish because at that time i was writing pink and then i start looking back and i looked back at aesthetics i start researching more and more about him i had read some parts of him but and i was like I could see also his evolution, how we had moved from customers and priests to purpose. I was like, okay, I, I wrote him back. I was like, Stan, yeah, I don't have right now any example about pink, but I really think your next book should be happiness and the yellow goldfish. Why don't we talk about it? And surprising, you know, sometimes we do have those moments of springing, but not very often the, the thing springs on from the other side. And surprising, it, it was like he immediately reacted. He was like, yes, let's talk. I was like, okay. And that's how then, yeah, that sparkle just became a fire. Um, and that's how, yeah, Yellow Goldfish came to, to existence. Then for the following year, we start collecting a lot of examples. Uh, he has a way, Stan, of creating a, a listly kind of crowdsourcing projects, but also to put together all the examples we are aware of. And then from there, it became a book. 
And actually, this month is almost, it's going to be three years already. So it's like... Uh, this is yeah. something I wanted to mention. This is also the month of the anniversary of, of, of your book, three years. Congratu congratulations. This is really a great book. And perhaps also to make that understandable, perhaps not everybody understand it. What, what's the difference between pink goldfish, yellow goldfish? Are there other colors? Yeah, so basically what in, in a nutshell, the concept stems from a goldfish. So the idea of a goldfish is that um, not many people know that you have an average goldfish can be three to five centimeters, but actually the world business uh, Guinness records, it's like up to 50 centimeters, if not a meter. And, uh, um, and so Stan started to look into what are the differences? What can make such a difference on the size of a goldfish? identified five elements uh, out of which the one that companies can really only have control over is their DNA. So the way that they're able to differentiate. So he started to analyze ways that companies can differentiate. He's starting by looking how can they differentiate on customer experience, how can they differentiate on employee experience. So that was purple goldfish, green goldfish. Then he looked at technology. So that's the blue goldfish. Then he looked at purpose. That's the red goldfish. Then pink was about, and I'm thinking I'm missing a color. Oh yeah, and he had gold and purple goldfish, which was about the, what the 20% that brings the 80% results. Then he had pink, which was the sixth color, which was about how the weaknesses and what makes us weird can make, become our strength. And what was also for me quite fascinating at that period was also at the period where I actually discovered myself, I have Ade Ade. So for me, it was also like reading Pink Goldfish was like, huh, so my weirdness can actually be my strength. Uh, and then the seventh color became yellow, which is about happiness. So that's a bit the story of the goldfish. Thank you. And it's, it's really interesting. We could have, I think, five or six podcasts for each book, but let's focus on, on the yellow one. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not saying another one because you wrote the yellow one. Therefore, let's focus on that. What for, for me was really, really interesting and, uh, and made me think about it. Uh, you have one really interesting part that it's uh, the phase one is uh, thinking about shareholders. Then you have thinking about customer, customer value, customer lifetime value. Then people are saying, yes, customer are extremely important. But let's speak about employee experience because FBM for employees create the customers and I think the next one is purpose why we are here and why we are doing something other thinking about Simon Sinek book and now you are adding the next level happiness how did you create this part and could you please elaborate a bit on that yeah so that one was actually so it was like it was playing in my mind a lot and then that path is actually something that uh, um, uh, Stan covers indeed in red goldfish he has an evolution of the business so, so really how do you see the business evolve for me it's really about it's an evolution but it's also like a stagnation because it's also like four different type of ways approach philosophy of business and that's where i came in with happiness a discussion we had with uh, um, with stan is also like is it really you know a, a path do you have to do either one or the other one can i love talben shal talks about the tyranny of or is it the shareholders or the customer or the employees i'm like let's get out away from this tyranny of the or and let's embrace and 
we can have all the elements together. And if we have all the elements together, then we reach even more. And for me, even more than an evolution was really about, it reminded me a lot of the millennial discussion of, is it the sun or the earth at the center of the universe? At the end, all those elements for me are, are part of systems. And we have also system thinking from uh, Senge. It's like, we have to stop seeing everything like a silo and we really have to start seeing things as an overall system. And if we put happiness at the center of our universe, because ultimately happiness is the ultimate goal why everybody is here uh, and why we all uh, live, uh, if we put happiness at the center and then around it, you start to have the customers and employees and purpose and shareholders, then you really create a healthy, sustainable, and ultimately also profitable uh, yeah, system, universe. So that, that's the idea behind it. And I think it, it makes totally sense. The big question that we already discussed also in the pre-discussion is how to make that understandable for uh, the C-suite, the executives. But this is another topic. I think we can we can start speaking about the, the book, uh, spreading the word of mouth, and it, it, it totally makes sense. You are speaking about uh, happiness, I think older people are speak, speaking about well-being, but at the end you are speaking or sharing the, the same idea that it's not all about um, uh, shareholder values, customer, but it's something more and it's something that we can achieve as a human beings and not only thinking about business because business is something that we as human beings created uh, for the economy and all that stuff. But at the end, we are human beings working and we are human beings 24 hours a day. As you said at the beginning, at five o'clock in the evening or at six o'clock in the evening, it's not that it stop, close everything and I go out and I've been, I am completely a, a different person. And therefore, yeah, what I really liked in, in the book, it's, it's created about, uh, you are speaking about happiness and happiness, it's an acronym of, uh, of uh, something different and, and growth. What does happiness mean for you? Yeah, so um, so there are a lot of what, what we did. So like well, one thing, if I didn't mention about me, I love to learn. So it's like if I could spend my entire life learning, reading, researching, probably that's what I would do. Uh, so I also learned about a lot of different happiness model out there from Perma to Spire to Flourish. And when you talk about well-being, like I'm especially trained by the school of Tal Ben-Shahar. It talks about the SPIRE well-being model, which is spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, and emotional well-being. What I did with Yellow Goldfish and with the happiness model that we created was really to bring all of those elements, well-being, but also translating them into the business world and into what makes our customers, employees, and uh, society happy. And how can we as human beings contribute to this happiness? Because Nobody can make somebody else happy. Each of us is responsible for their own happiness. We can only contribute. So that's how then the happiness started to become an acronym for nine paths of nine ways, or now what I call also the nine petals of the sunflower of happiness. The first one stands for health. So that's both our physical and our mental well-being. So, and that's the basis for, for everything. Then you have A, which stands for autonomy. So we need to be able in the condition of taking steps and feeling ownership of our time, of our space, or even of our energy. Then you have the first P, which is for purpose. 
So that's the why. How can you add value and meaning to your life and the one of others? Then you have the second P is for play. This is really about our childlike inner nature. It's about creativity. It's about just enjoying time, um, doing everything that we feel like. Then you have the I for integrity. So this is about honesty, trust, really doing things which make the world better than we found. Then you have the N, which is for nature, where nature stands both for actual nature, so um, experiencing nature and preserving, respecting nature, but also it's about beauty because ultimately nature is beauty. So it's about also appreciation of, of beauty and how can we bring more beauty into our life. Um, then we have the A, A for empathy. So that's really about everything related to connection because we are human being connected, wired for, for connection. Uh, so all the elements of empathy and emotion. And then you have the two S. One S is for simplicity because it's like, yeah, things, the, the simpler we keep them, also the less strain for our brain, for our mental, for our energy. And the final S, it's for smile. Um, and back then, so I this smile and celebration and really also a word and acknowledgement of our quality. What I didn't know back then also was that you can smile and laugh as a choice. So I, in the book, we talk a lot about the power of laughter, but I, I, back then I thought I have to look at comedy, I have to make a joke in order to stimulate laughter. And most recently I learned actually we can laugh as a choice uh, with laughter yoga. I think well, it's it's really really interesting. And uh, before I ask the, the next question, elaborating a bit of all this concept, concept, I am thinking about myself. And in the situation that I am now, I am really I am trying to focus on the two different P's. One is purpose, why I'm here, what I'm doing in a business context, but also in a family context, because we have changed. Our son is going to the kindergarten, and therefore it's it's really a big change for him. What for me, it's normal, go to the kindergarten or go to the preschool for him. It's a big, big change. And therefore, it's really interesting to think about why I'm here, what I'm doing, and what I want to leave to him when I'm not here anymore. And the second one, what I really think it, it's, it's super interesting is the second P, it's play. Back again to my son, really focused on, on my son. It's uh, it's playing with him. It, it changed the setup because there are no specific rules. You can create something and investing the time playing with him. At the end, you create something that if you look from outside, you don't know that part. We create a story. We do this. We do that. We play like that. And and it's it's really outstanding. And it brings you to, to view a new way of, of thinking. Now, not speaking about me, speaking about you. Which letters do you prefer most? Yeah, so for me, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tough one. It's, it's like there are a few more that I really like, like nature, uh, play and smile. But like my favorite are also like play and smile together. Um, because it's like, like you say, play, it, it's, it's the core, you know, we, and, and so is smile. You know, when the first thing that we do as a, as a child, when we are three months and we are all like, as a parents, we are all waiting for that very first smile and giggle. And then we spend hours looking at how the kids play. Um, so the first thing we do when we come into the world is we smile and we play. That That's our, almost you could say, our initial nature. And then somehow the world changes and we stop smiling or we, we smile less and we definitely stop playing. So for me, those two elements, those two letters were also like the most intriguing one because 
when we play and when we smile, we are happy. It's like, so why can't we not bring more play and more smile into our life? Knowing ultimately that when we play, we become more creative. And when we become more creative, we become also more productive and more innovative. So there are so many benefits that we can ripe while being happy. So I would say definitely those two. And also because especially if I think also about the COVID period, you know, while everybody ran to buy toilets, I remember in March where everybody, when we were going to lockdown, everybody ran to, toilet, to buy toilet paper. The first thing I did was to buy a trampoline. I was like, if we are going to get into lockdown and the kids have to be in the house for weeks and months, they need, they need an, uh, an outlet. So I bought the trampoline, but the trampoline has also become the way for us to connect. So I play on it as well. I go jumping on it with them. And whenever we argue, they go on it to kind of uh, meditate or rest or take a rest. And that, that is the place where I can also go and reconnect with them. So it also helps with connection. And I think this is really important also to have example to explain that. And basically, uh, what I really like from the book, it's also it's full of different examples coming from different industries. And one of the, the, the examples I like most is from Bob Chapman. Um, uh -huh. we, measures, we measure success the way we touch people's lives. Perhaps it's not the perfect sentence, but you understand what what I'm meaning. And and for me, there it's it's really it's an industry where you think we don't need customer experience, we don't need to focus on people. Let's do what we need to be done. But it changes completely. Uh, what's your preferred example in the book? Again, extremely difficult to to choose, but something that stand out for you. I really, really love the one that you mentioned, Bob Chapman. What I also love from him is that he brought in as a KPI in the organization the divorce rate because by talking to his employees, he realized what an impact a different environment made also on people's life. My very, very favorite example is actually the one from General Electrics. So we have the, um, yeah, basically we have, it's an example of Doug Deeds, which had built a new uh, MRI machine And, and for me, that example, it's, uh, it's my favorite because it covers both two major elements of happiness. So we put it under play. Um, no, we put it under the nature because of the beauty, but it's also part of play and empathy. And it's also a big, big uh, um, uh, example of growth. So if I share the example uh, in a nutshell, is so Doug Dietz had created this uh, MRI machine And he decided to took time to actually go and sit in practice on, on the field. So to leave the office, to actually go and see this machine. This machine was uh, for children, which had to have an MRI. Now, children who have to have an MRI are probably highly sick, highly stressed. Their parents, so can you imagine, like it just blows my mind to imagine what can be happening in that family. Uh, and that did is an engineer. He thought, I'm going to look at this child and he's going to be so happy to jump into my fantastic new technology machine. And then instead he goes on the floor in the hospital and all he sees is this frightened child hanging on the arms of his parents, which are also highly stressed and screaming, I don't want to go in. And that was for him the moment where it's what I call the grounding moment is the moment where he starts seeing the reality from the eyes of the child rather than from his own reality. He starts feeling empathy for that child. And then he decided, so he had at that moment, it's a moment of choice. He could decide to just ignore that moment and just say, yeah, but this is the best machine. And the job he needs to do is to get him a, a scan. 
But instead, he decided to challenge himself, to go back in himself and say, what can I do differently? So he went back to the drawing board. He decided to reach up. That's the R that we say in, in growth. So he went back to study, he went to the, he had learned, he had heard about design thinking. He went to the Stanford school. He learned everything possible that, about design thinking. Then with his team, they start operationalizing. So that's also the O of, of growth, really designing an entire new experience. And a few months later, they launched what is called the adventure series, where basically there were all sorts of, so the machine was the same, but they created experiences, the pirate island, the jungle, the Capitan Hook. Uh, and, and for each of those experiences, there would be also sounds. So when the children would come in the corridor, there would be sounds, they would spray your water. So for the, for the children, it became almost like a trip to fantasy uh, land. And when Doug went back to see the first child, uh, child going into the machine, when the, the child actually went out, he turned to his parents and said, mom, dad, can we do this again tomorrow? And that for him was really like the moment where he realized he really had changed the game, the conversation. But what's most impactful also about this example is actually how impactful it was also on the hospital and on their profitability. Because the fact that those children were highly stressed meant that most of them, they did not want to go in the MRI machine. So a lot of stress for the hospital um, People as well, it required anesthesiologists. So, so that meant a very expensive uh, doctor, very expensive procedure, very uh, time intensive. So you could only plan a number of scans per day. And after this change, there was 80% less requirement anesthesiologists. Can you imagine the impact on, on doctor expensive, um, expenses? So it also meant that they could do much more scans in a day which ultimately resulted in much more life saved because much more scans could be done earlier on. So for me, it's just such a mind-blowing uh, uh, example. And that's for me what it so much represents what I call happiness-driven growth, where you can put happiness at the center, transform a terrible moment into a moment of fun for the child, change the conversation with the parents, while creating more profit for the hospital and saving costs. So that is definitely my my favorite example. And I think this example touches our artists because this is uh, about children and what what uh, these are our most important, sorry to use the name, asset in this world because they are our future. And if we can do human-centered design, that, that's key and really, really important. Thank you very much for sharing this, this, this example. In the last piece of, of your book, you are speaking about growth. What does growth mean? So as in the, in the example a bit of, of, uh, of Doug did, so the growth stands for grounding, reaching up, operationalizing, uh, uh, wow blossoming, taking time, and harvesting. So the first element is that grounding, it's like, so I also use the, um, uh, the metaphor of the sunflower in the book and even more in the second edition of, of Yellow Factor because the sunflower, it's really the, um, yeah, the metaphor of growth and how everything can start from a simple seed, but that seed on its own is not enough. You, so you need to know the seed, but then you also need to find fertile ground, the right timing for it. You need to water it, you need to nurture it, you need to protect it. 
from all the, so if you ever try to grow sunflowers in, in your garden, I've done it now for three years and it's an amazing experience because then you have all those little, uh, I don't know, the snails that are going to go and it up. So it's like that seed really has to have all of the right conditions in order to start germinating. And then after it germinates, it starts reaching up. Uh, so there is this reach up phase in which you say, I challenge the status quo and I decide to be who I am, to fall of my dream, to fall of the sun. Uh, then you go into operationalizing. So you see also it starts getting in all the different uh, um, um, leaves and all the different uh, blossom. And then eventually it gets to what I call wow blossoming. But in order to have that grow, you need to have also that you have to take time. So it requires time. And only after that, you can really harvest the results. And especially with the sunflower, but with every ripple of happiness, afterwards, you also have the seeds. And those seeds will generate new sunflowers. They become food for the birds. They can become also like we eat sunflower seeds. Um, and even just the beauty of the sunflowers is out there for everybody to see. So that is for me how yeah the acronymous of growth, uh, um, what's, what it stands for. What you're saying with sunflowers for me was mind-blowing with potatoes. My mom said, put one potato under the earth and then you need to give water and wait and wait and wait. And then after some, I don't know, weeks, months, I found out that there were quite a lot of potatoes there. But it was not an, an easy path to get there because my mother said, you need to give them waters every evening because it's, it's warm and all this stuff. And therefore, it's, it takes time, as, as you are saying, and, and the path, it's, it's not so easy. Uh, on this acronym of growth, which one is, is the most difficult from, from your side, from your point of view? Yeah, so that's, a, that's an also an interesting one. So like having said that time, it's probably like the, the quintessential element that you always need. What is always difficult, what is most difficult, to, so there is one thing that comes to mind and it's like in the past few months I've been looking at uh, Once Upon a Time. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, it's a series on Netflix and unfortunately now I've removed it, but it's amazing. It's really all about fantasy and all. And, and I think that the most difficult element is that moment between grounding and reaching up. So in, in the movie, Once Upon a Time, you have this moment in which you move between realms, between different worlds. So from the snow white uh, enchanted forest realm to frozen or to just a world without magic. And you move across using a magic bean. Uh, this magic bean opens a portal and there you have a moment where you have to choose if you jump in the portal or not. And I've been thinking as I watched that and as I've also thought about growth and it's like, it's with growth, you know all the elements, but there is one moment and I think it's very much between the germinating moment and the reaching up in which you have a choice. Do I jump in the portal or not? And, and that I think is the most difficult one. So it's like, it's like Doug did when he, he had this moment of grounding at the hospital where he saw the world with the eyes of the child and then reaching up by thinking of design thinking. But at some point he had this moment where he had to choose, do I go for it? Do I believe that I can change the way that my rice scans have been done until now or not? And I feel that that's, the critical moment for most of us. If I think also about myself, there are so many moments where I get that magic bean and then I go like, ah, now, 
um, the world is not ready for it and wait. And then it's a missed chance. So, yeah, I think that is the most difficult one. That moment between germinating and reaching up, like choosing to just go for it. Thank you very much, Rosaria. It was really great to discuss about this outstanding book. Some question about you, and then I will, uh, we, we can conclude. Is there a book or something that you would like to share with the audience that you are saying, this is something that helped me to grow? Ah, oh, there are so, so, so many of them. So I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. I've read all of the Brene Brown books. Positive Intelligence from Shiraz Shamin has also been one that has really made a major growth. But so then the one that I would share with the audience right now, it's the latest one, which is the four agreements and actually the fifth agreement from Miguel Ruiz. Because that one, I'm like, I only read it a year ago, the four agreements and the fifth agreement now. And I'm like, oh, if I could have read this book 20 years ago, it probably would have changed a lot. So that is... Uh, um, a very important one because it's about the basis of the agreements that we make, like everything we do in life is an agreement, um, but we can change those agreements at any moment. Um, and these key five agreements, it's really like it's about being impeccable with your words, uh, always do your best, um, uh, like always don't make assumptions. So really, um, yeah, don't just uh, uh, believe. And I forget the other two right now, like, uh, but it, it's, it really changed the way that I see things. Um, and it's really like, oh, oh, yeah, don't take anything personally. So it's like whatever happens, it doesn't have to be with us. Everybody is in his own world, in his own realm. Um, so sometimes things don't just happen personally. And keeping those things in mind, I think, will also help taking the jump with the magic bean <laughs> more often, at least. Thank you. If somebody from the audience would like to contact you, what's the best way? So they can follow me on Instagram. So that's a wow now XP. I'm also on Facebook, on LinkedIn, absolutely. So that's uh, there. And I'm also open just to get also just email at rosaria at wownow.io. Thank you very much. And we are coming to the very last question. This is the question I'm always asking. It's a Rosaria's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience. Uh, I think it's really probably one of the magic bean right now. It's uh, so it's really take the leap, find what is your magic bean, and identify what is your magic bean and the realm you want to get to, and then just jump and with laughing because because like really for me like laughing and connecting to the heart are really for me also yeah, the golden nuggets of yeah like act from the heart and do it smiling and laughing. Thank you very much. And as usual, I am not commenting Rosaria's golden nugget because it's Rosaria golden nugget. The last thing I want to say is was thank you very much, Rosaria. It was a great pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much to you, Gregorio. Great podcast. I love also to listen to your podcast. So for me, it was also like an honor to be one of your guests now. Thank you. Thank you very much. And also to the audience, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as I did because it was really outstanding, full of energy, full of happiness. Please go forward with a smile. Go ahead with a smile because this will change your life. Thank you very much. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. Ciao. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, 
We are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human environment. Thank you.